and welcome to episode two of the podcast. Um, today we're going to be talking about my bipolar diagnosis and kind of my experience with it so far. Um, I do want to put a little bit of a trigger warning on this. I am going to be talking about like some pretty heavy mental health topics. Um, also a little bit about like self-harm and suicide. So if that is at all upsetting to you, please don't listen to this. Um, I'm not exactly sure how in-depth I'm going to go, but I don't want anyone to get triggered or upset by anything I'm going to say. So, with that being said, let's get into my diagnosis and when and how I was diagnosed. Um, so, I'm currently 21. It is August of 20, or sorry, it's September now of 2023. Um, I was diagnosed in November of 2022, so it's been roughly 10 months um, since I was diagnosed, and I started experiencing bipolar episodes much earlier than this. Um, I, looking back on kind of like things that were going on in my life, I feel like my senior year of high school, which was um, 2020, right before the pandemic, well, I graduated during the pandemic, but um, that is when I think I started noticing, or now looking back, you realize that I was sort of having these manic and depressive episodes. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what bipolar is, it is basically, it's a mental disorder that affects your mood um, mostly, so you kind of go between episodes of mania and episodes of depression, um, which obviously everyone kind of has their moments of feeling sad and down and even just struggling with depression in general. Um, bipolar disorder is a little more complicated than that because of the mania um, and how the mood shifts in between mania and depression. So when I was first diagnosed, I was diagnosed with bipolar 2. I, I, yeah, I was diagnosed with bipolar 2. I now am diagnosed with bipolar 1. So there are two forms of bipolar. Um, bipolar 1, what I now experience, is longer episodes of depression than bipolar 2. Um, you also experience hypomania and mania. So hypomania... It's kind of like opposite of how it sounds, but that's sort of a less severe manic experience. Um, so bipolar 2, you experience sort of shorter waves of depression and then only hypomania, not necessarily full-blown mania. Um, they're both very hard to deal with. Um, it's sort of the adjustment in between the two that makes things difficult. Um, while I was getting di diagnosed, I had multiple appointments with um, you know, therapists, psychiatrists, my primary care doctors, and I remember being in therapy one day. Um, it was the appointment before I got my diagnosis, and she kind of drew a graph on the wall, and it was like a wave. So if you took your finger and you just went up and down and made a couple bumps, um, that was what normal people kind of experience with emotion changes like you know you're gonna have good days bad days it's sort of just like a up and down um with bipolar it was a really sharp up and down sort of like the peak of a roller coaster um and then way back down way back up 
and that is what I find the most difficult in dealing with it is the change um, because a lot of times it's not triggered by anything there's really no reason for it it just you wake up one day and you don't feel like yourself at all um, and you have very little control over it so once I was diagnosed it was several appointments it took a couple weeks um, I know sometimes it can take longer I think I was just kind of like in the peak of a depressive episode when I went in there and also had just came off of a manic episode so it was really easy for me to communicate what I was experiencing um, and I think that made sort of the diagnosis process a little bit quicker for me but once I was diagnosed we started sort of my treatment plan um, so I'm in therapy I see a psychiatrist and I am on medication um, this was really common in bipolar patients so for my medications, I was on anxiety medication and antidepressants prior to getting diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, I really struggled with anxiety pretty much since middle school, um, but it got really bad my sophomore year of college. Um, and that's when I went on medication for anxiety. And I also was put on antidepressants around the same time. So I was already on those, so basically they just added a mood stabilizer um, for me to take daily. And that's very common bipolar, the mood stabilizer kind of does what it says, stabilizes your moods. Um, I think I was on, they start you off on like the lowest dose, and now I'm on, I think I can go up one more dose technically, but I'm pretty content where I am right now on it. So it did take a little bit of trial and error, you know, switching around some of my other meds just to kind of figure out what works best. Um, but yeah, that's sort of how I started getting treatment for it. Um, still in therapy, still see the same doctors and everything. Um, it's really important for me that I keep up on that. Therapy is one of the most helpful things I've ever experienced. Um, which I will get into a little bit later, but even if you don't struggle like with something like bipolar or another mental illness, please go to therapy. Like, you could have the greatest life on earth and like, it still is helpful to talk about things. Everyone has worries and concerns and I just think everyone should be in therapy. If, I know it's hard and it's not easily accessible, but if you do have access to it, like, I really believe that it does wonders for you. So, highly recommend going to therapy. Um, so when I first started, you know, getting treatment for bipolar disorder, um, it was really scary. I was really overwhelmed with kind of what I thought I knew about it. Um, me and my friends had kind of been joking around for a while that like I probably did have bipolar disorder and that I was like quote unquote crazy. Um, and I think what really scared me was the perception of it in the media. And that is a big part of why I wanted to kind of start this podcast and talk about it. Um, because I mentioned this in my introduction episode, but there's not a lot of people my age who openly speak about having bipolar disorder. And I get it. It's scary. I'm terrified to be doing this right now, and I'm sure I'll be even more scared when I decide to post this. Um... And also, the way it's portrayed in the media is very alarming. If you think about bipolar disorder, like, the top things that come to mind is Kanye West. 
People think he is crazy, and it's often linked to his bipolar disorder. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't done some messed up stuff, but I think it kind of puts a bad taste in people's mouth when you hear bipolar. That's just, like, what a lot of people assume. Um, some other examples is if you ever seen Shameless, one of the characters on there has bipolar. And the way they wrote his character, it's, like, his only personality trait, which is really frustrating. Um... Because yes, I am bipolar, and I'll be bipolar till the day I die. There's nothing I can do about it. There's no cure for it. Um, but I'm a lot of other things, too. And I hate when I tell somebody I have bipolar disorder, and they just assume they know everything about me, or that that is the only thing about me. Um, other celebrities have kind of come out and talked about it. Um, I know Selena Gomez has opened up about it in her My Mind and Me documentary. I think she handled that really well, and also I know Halsey has done a couple interviews about it. And it's nice to hear, but it's also like, they're celebrities, they have access to every possible thing they could ever need, and they also have different pressures than I experience that probably make it a little bit more difficult in some ways. So, I live a very normal, average life. I just feel like there should be a little bit more awareness for this and what it's like um so yeah in the beginning taking my meds and stuff I was really scared of it and I was also really bad at taking my meds I I think I was like kind of in denial a little bit that I needed them um which I do <laughs> I definitely do and there's a noticeable difference when I don't take them um there was this one instance I was still at college, living in my college apartment with my roommates, and I had been off my meds for like, I think like two and a half weeks around there. Um, not like intentionally, I think I had just forgotten to take them like a day or two, and then I just never got back on track with it. Um, but I started going manic. And when people hear manic, they think it's like, oh, you're just like super happy all the time, or like you're super productive, you have so much energy. And to an extent, yes, you do have big bursts of energy and you can feel euphoric and very happy, but there's also another side of it that I'll get into a little bit later. Um, so I was manic and a big thing for my experience of mania is I get super irritable and like everything just rubs me the wrong way. Um, like, especially in the mornings, like, I wake up and, like, if I have not been to the gym and had my breakfast and had my, like, alone time, like, you don't want to talk to me. I'm a bitch. I'm fucking miserable. And I will make your life miserable, too. And so, I was at college and I had just, like, a freak out. Um, there was, like, a little bit of tension going on with my roommates and with one of my roommates and... I kind of, like, I came home from work and I just lost it. And I packed up my stuff. I packed up. I had my dog at the time because I have a therapy dog. Um, he was at school with me. I packed him up, took him home, got in a huge screaming fight with my roommate right before I left. Was on the phone that night, got in another big fight. I was just being awful. And then the next morning I woke up and was like, what the fuck? Like, why did I do that? That's not me. That's not how I fully feel. Like... I was upset about some things, but like me now, I'm in a very regulated state right now. I would never have handled it that way. And 
I went back to school the next day because I had class and when I got back to the apartment everyone was kind of just like sitting there and I was like can we please talk and we sat down and we talked it all out and I was just like I explained that I was off my meds but that wasn't an excuse like I just think I would have handled it better if I wasn't so manic um, I don't want to get into the full details of it because it's other people's lives too um, but everything worked out to be fine. Then, a few weeks later, like spring break had went by, we were all kind of coming back, everything was going pretty well, I started getting really paranoid that there was still kind of issues with my one roommate. Um, and there was another situation that happened months prior to this, like before I had even gotten my bipolar diagnosis, this was in the spring, in the previous like fall, there was another issue that um, was really difficult to deal with at the apartment, not with my roommates, but with like a neighboring person in the apartment. Um, and so I was just already uncomfortable in the apartment. I wasn't happy there. I was not sleeping. And like a few weeks after this manic episode in the spring, I had a really big depressive episode happen and I was feeling down for a while I wasn't really leaving my room I wasn't going out I was kind of just like going to class when I had to but if I could do it online I was most definitely doing it from my bed um and yeah I just I remember I had gotten back to the apartment and I went to like pick up dinner and I came back and I went up to my room and I was eating dinner and after that, I didn't have like much work to do that night, and so I was going to put on a show, but I just started getting so angry and so irritable. Like, I just remember the feeling of like wanting to throw something, which like I'm not a violent person when I'm manic, like I would never physically harm someone else, but I will like hurt myself. And I was just like, I wanted to like bang my head on the wall. Like, I wanted to, like, I don't, I was just, I had so much pent-up rage and aggression, and I had no idea why. Um, and so, basically, I started freaking out in my room. My poor roommate was downstairs in the living room, and I come out of my room sobbing. And she kind of looks at me, she's like, oh my god, like, are you okay? And I don't even know if I was making sense, but I think I was trying to tell her, like, I just need to go for a drive. I need to get out of the apartment. Because, like I said, there was already a situation where I didn't really feel super safe or comfortable at the apartment. Um, and so I, like, grabbed my car keys and I went out the front door. I think I, like, literally slammed the door shut. And she had texted me. She was like, please be careful. It was, like, late at night. It was dark. I think it was raining a little bit. And I was just like, I just can't be here right now. And then I was driving for a few minutes and I was just getting more and more upset. So I texted her and I was like, you can lock the door. I won't be back for a while. And I kept driving and driving, getting more and more upset, like crying hysterically. I didn't want to be alive at this point. I was just downward spiraling so rapidly and I felt like I couldn't breathe and my chest was hurting I was having panic attacks like everything you could possibly imagine like feeling so terrible was going on at once and this is when I started planning to take my life that night um, 
there was this bridge that I would drive over to go to the gym. Um, it went over the Connecticut River, and I was going to drive off of it. Um, and as I was approaching it, I don't know what like possessed me to do this, but I called my friend, my best friend Morgan, um, from home, and she answered the phone. And I was hysterical, and she had gotten me to pull over into a parking lot and was trying to talk me down. I think she was really freaked out. Um, I just remember her asking me if I had done anything yet, like, to hurt myself, or, like, where she kept asking me where I was, and I got really paranoid that she was, like, going to call the cops on me to, like, come get me, and I did not want that. And so I'm pretty sure I hung up on her and I started driving again and she kept calling me and I answered her and I was hysterical and she put me on the phone with her mom who's like a second mom to me like this was not unusual at all like our families are very close put me on the phone with her mom and she was trying to talk me down and I was just I remember just saying I can't be here I can't do this like I can't do this anymore and her mom was like, okay, drive home. Like, come home. You can drive here. And I was really freaked out to come home because I knew my family was leaving to go on vacation the next day. And I didn't want to ruin their trip. And she was like, drive to our house, which they only lived like 10 minutes from my parents' house. So it was still my hometown. Um, and so I was like, okay, but like, I, I have to go get something. And she put my friend back on the phone and I was like, I have to go get my laptop. I was really like set on getting my laptop. I think I knew I wasn't coming back to school at this point. And so I knew I was going to need my laptop to kind of like communicate with my professors and stuff that I wasn't coming back. And she was just like, no, like leave it. It's fine. Like you don't need it. And I was like, no, like I have to go back and get it. And she was like, fine, but you're staying on the phone with me. Like, don't you dare fucking hang up. <laughs> So I stayed on the phone with her as I drive back to the apartment. I was like 20 minutes away. And I hang up with her while I go inside the apartment. And I'm even more hysterical than when I left. And my roommate's still downstairs. And I just remember screaming that like, I'm going home. I can't be here. I don't want to be alive. Like, I'm going home. And I don't think she probably could like fully understand what I was saying because of how hysterical I was. But she was just, I remember her asking if, my parents knew or if it was a good idea because it was really late and I lived four hours from my college so I had to drive four hours in the middle of the night hysterical upset absolutely reasonable for someone to be concerned about that um, and I went upstairs and I grabbed my backpack with my laptop in it and I grabbed my medications um, because my friend had told me she was like you need to make sure you get what you need because um, you don't know when you're coming back. And so I packed that up and I got back in the car. And before I had called my friend back, I had taken my medications. But I had taken a lot of them. Um, I basically just took as much as I could without feeling sick from swallowing pills because I never liked swallowing pills. Um, so yeah, I took a bunch and I called her back and she was just like, start driving. And at this point I was still planning on 
not really going fully home. I still was going to like crash my car somehow. Uh, and then I started driving. I got on the highway. And I remember I could like barely see where I was going. Like I was crying so hard. And I was driving and then she must have called my sister while I was inside my apartment packing my bag because my sister calls me. And I answer, and she is freaked out, asking me what's going on. And I, you know, I'm just like hysterical, telling her like I'm on my way home, like I can't do this. And she was just like, okay, like do I need to get mom and dad? And I was like, no, like don't wake them up. I'm going to Morgan's house. Like they don't need to know. I'll tell them tomorrow that I'm home. She was like, okay, call Morgan back. And I didn't know they had been like texting, obviously, while I was on the phone with them. Um, and so my sister woke up my parents and about five minutes later I get a call from my dad and he's like you need to pull the fuck over right now like get off the road what are you doing and he wasn't yelling in a sense that he was like angry at me I think he was just really scared but I remember being scared that he was yelling and I didn't want to like upset him um, you know when a parent yells at you it's like scary even if you are kind of older and not right in front of them like I was still going to be like, okay, so I pulled over, and I got off on a random exit. There was, like, a hotel, a gas station, and I think, like, a, like a Denny's, like, some sort of small restaurant. And he was like, what's going on? And I remember just, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> I just remember having to tell him I didn't want to be alive anymore. And I was so scared to say it because I knew how much it was going to hurt them. Uh, and he was just like, don't say that. Like, don't you dare say that. And he was like, we're going to get you home. Like, you need to come home, but you can't drive right now. Like, we're going to have you stay the night at this hotel. Uh, so he tried to get me a hotel room for the night. And my sister and my friend were like, that's a terrible idea. She should not be alone all night. Um. Well, obviously no one wanted me driving either. So while my dad was trying to get me a hotel room, which he couldn't because I wasn't 21 yet, and in the state of Massachusetts, you have to be 21 to get a hotel, which is just stupid. Um, my sister and my friend kind of planned on coming to pick me up, essentially. So while he was on the phone with the hotels and stuff, I was on the phone with my mom. She was just trying to calm me down. And... The next thing I knew, my friend and her two siblings, who are like siblings to me, are in my driveway at my parents' house, and my sister's getting in the car, and they are driving to Massachusetts four hours in the middle of the night. I think it was literally like 11.30 at this point to come meet me and pick me up and get me home. Um, so that's basically what happened, and I was kind of going a little bit loopy from all the pills I had taken at this point. And I just remember my dad saying, you need to stay on the phone with your sister until they get there. Um, because I had to stay in my car. I wasn't able to get a hotel room. So I had my phone charging in my car. And I was feeling really sick. So I laid down in the back seat of my car while on the phone with my sister. And then she said eventually I had fallen asleep. And the only reason they knew I was asleep was because I was snoring. Um, so they knew I was still alive and breathing. But... I basically slept majority of the time they were driving to me, and I think I woke up like a half hour, 45 minutes before they got there, and when I had woken up, I 
wasn't as hysterical. I was just exhausted, and I just wanted them to get there, and, like, I just wanted to be home. Um, and so when they got there, um, we went inside to just, like, use the bathroom of the hotel and then came back out, and my friend got in my car with me, and I got in the passenger seat, and then my sister and her two siblings were in the other car. And we drove home, and we got home at, like, 8 in the morning, and I had slept the whole day. So, basically, from that point on, I stayed home. Um, I emailed my professors, you know, a few days later that there was an incident and I had to come home and kind of asking if I could finish my semester virtually. They were super understanding and, like, worked everything out. And I had already decided at this point, like, before this all had happened that I was graduating early. There was about a month until graduation just because my living situation was just not working out. Um, and there was no other option really for me to live senior year. So I already knew I wasn't coming back the next semester. So it was kind of just like getting me to graduation at this point. Um, so my professors were super understanding and, you know, I finished my degree online essentially. Um, I went back for finals, which I was really nervous about. Um, I remember I slept in my car one night because I didn't want to sleep at the apartment. <laughs> so I slept in my car on campus outside of our like design building because everyone was there pulling an all-nighter for the final and I had finished so I went and slept in my car until the final the next morning. Um, anyways, and then I stayed until graduation, which I didn't even want to go to graduation. I remember we had packed up my apartment the day before. And so we were in a hotel the night before graduation, and I was hysterically crying to my parents that I just wanted to go home. Like, I did not want to be there any longer than I had to be. Um, and so went to graduation, immediately left, and came home. And I was really happy to be done, but I was also just exhausted. And so at this point, I went into a big depressive episode for, like, Two and a half months, I did not get out of bed. Unless there was some sort of, like, family birthday or something, or my birthday, I literally laid in bed all day long, like, in the dark. And I was just not doing well. Um, and that ended about a month ago, so I've been doing pretty good since then. I'm kind of starting to get back on my feet in terms of, like, finding a job, um, we redid my whole bedroom downstairs which if you're watching the video of this you can kind of see and yeah so i've been doing better since then but it was definitely a rough couple months um and it definitely affected everyone around me too everyone was really worried like understandably that i was just not myself or doing well whatsoever so i just want to kind of dive into more general Things about my experience with bipolar disorder and not like sort of my um, personal episodes and things that have happened so like I said earlier I get really irritated when I'm manic and I was manic a few weeks ago um, I was like just a bitch to put it plainly like I was just miserable to be around um, so yeah, I get really irritable and then I also get like bursts of hyperactivity and like euphoric really happiness stuff um so 
that is like kind of hard to deal with because one second I'm like cranky and like no one wants to be around me and the next second I'm like alright guys like let's go do something acting like everything's fine even though I was probably a bitch to people earlier in the day um, and everyone has a different experience with bipolar disorder so I don't want to be speaking for everyone else uh, but this is just kind of what I go through but like the last couple months I have found things that do help um, obviously staying on top of my medication is kind of key I have been doing better about that I think realizing how much my episodes affect the people around me makes me want to stay on my medication um, so there's that side of it too but there are some other things that definitely help um, exercise for one is a great stress reliever and like I said when I'm manic if you talk to me before I go to the gym in the morning I am cranky the gym is my me time like I put my headphones on no one bothers me and it's obviously releases good endorphins that's just like scientifically proven um, so I would definitely recommend trying daily exercise even if it's just going for a walk like I'm currently doing the 75 hard and so a lot of the times if you don't know what that is you have to do two workouts a day my first workout will be like lifting at the gym and then later that night I'll go for a walk or a run so even just going for a walk can be really helpful to clear your head um, another thing is talk therapy I, I see a therapist every week um, if you don't have access to therapy I would recommend like journaling I've tried journaling um, I'm too much of a perfect perfectionist personally if I like misspell a word in my handwriting it's not perfect I rip out the whole page and then it just stresses me out so it's kind of kind of productive um, but I also will do like voice memos and like just rant into my phone which is basically what I'm doing now with this podcast I'm just airing it for the whole freaking world whoever wants to listen to it um, so that's like another good alternative if you don't have access to therapy um, and the thing is music, just putting on music and having a dance party in a room. I have probably two to three dance parties a day. I'm not exaggerating. Like, I just, like, it's so helpful and it just, like, gets out my, like, burst of energy, especially when I am manic. Um, but even just, like, getting in my car and blasting music and screaming your favorite songs, like, it's so therapeutic and it's so uplifting. Like, I would really recommend putting together a playlist that you know is going to make you feel good. Um, this is obviously a little bit specific to me, but my dog, I do have a puppy, his name's Coda, and he's one years old, and I got him while I was at college to kind of help with my anxiety before I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, and like, just the attachment I have to him is so helpful, he's just very comforting to have around, um, so that's something you could look into, obviously it's also a big responsibility financially and a time commitment, so just be aware of that. Another big thing that has kind of helped sort of cope with getting diagnosed with bipolar is having a humor about it. Yes, it's a very serious thing, and obviously there are times that are harder than others, but like me and my friends make jokes about it all the time, and I think it's good to kind of laugh about it because there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and I think there's a difference between joking with you versus like joking like laughing at you um I have the most supportive amazing friends ever and I'm very comfortable with them 
they're very aware of my situation and I try to be really honest when I'm going through a manic or depressive episode if I feel it like it's coming on or I feel like I'm in one like we'll talk about it um, but it's also just funny to like look back at like some of the stuff I do when I'm manic or like things I say and just be like wow I was really on one that day like it's okay to laugh about it with people you trust um, like the other day I was coming out of a manic episode a few weeks ago and I was talking to my friend and she wanted to change her hair and she made a joke about like not necessarily knowing what she was going to do or she was like I'm going to do something crazy and then she was like look who's manic now Meg kind of as a joke and I like gave her like a death glare jokingly like I was not offended at all I knew she meant it as a joke um I was just like did you say that because I'm bipolar and when I'm bipolar I'm crazy and like made it into this whole funny thing and we just sat there like dying laughing about it so I think making fun of it can be helpful obviously with the people you trust around you if you don't know someone very well do not make fun of them for being bipolar please don't call them crazy like that is actually hurtful I feel like that doesn't need to be said but honestly like who knows in this society um, and then lastly I think finding people you can relate to can be really helpful um, there's not a ton of people I have found that I relate to which, like I said before, is kind of why I am talking about this very openly um, in case someone else needs someone to relate to. But there are a few, and, you know, when I have questions or, like, feel like no one gets it, like, I will go look at sort of their social media where they have talked about it just for some reassurance that I'm not the only one feeling this way. Um, yeah. I don't want to get into, like, too much of the scientifical scientific is that even a word probably not too much of the scientific background of bipolar disorder because i don't know it and i don't want to spread misinformation um but you can definitely do your research on that uh, okay so i just listened to what i've recorded so far what i've said and there were a few things that i feel like i missed um talking about so i wrote them down just to kind of make sure i got everything in that i wanted to um so this part might be just like a little bit out of order or like I feel like I'm jumping back to some things I already talked about so just bear with me um so I just kind of wanted to start by going over some of the other experiences or things that I've experienced because of the bipolar disorder or things that are like linked to bipolar disorder um so one of the biggest ones is like my sleeping habits I don't sleep um especially when I'm manic this is really common to like stay up all hours of the night all nighters and I've never really been a big sleeper I've always woken up super early been a night owl so I haven't noticed like a huge change just because I've always had a hard time with sleeping um, but it is a really common sign and when I'm manic I do notice that my sleep is worse I am doing a sleep study soon to kind of work on that um, but yeah that's one of the things the other thing when I'm manic is like my self-esteem goes up so high and I think this is kind of why I get, like, a little bit irritable or just, like, not really concerned with, like, other people around me because, not that I'm selfish, but, like, I'm not insecure in the sense of, like, I'm watching what I'm doing. I don't know if that makes sense. Also, very talkative. That's pretty common. Um, just because I'm hyper, I have way more energy or I'm a little bit more social. Obviously, I'm going to be more social, manic than when I'm in a depressed state. Um, so that's one. 
I also get really motivated to kind of start new projects. Like the podcast, for example, I kind of started talking about wanting to do this while I was coming out of my manic episode. Um, and I started doing the 75 hard, which is like a 75 day challenge, um, right at the beginning of my manic episode. And so I was like super motivated. I was making like little vlogs on TikTok. And then, you know, once my manic, like hypermanic state kind of started to wear off, I like stopped doing that. I just like didn't care for it anymore. Um, so I definitely will like overcommit myself to things that I normally like wouldn't have interest in. Like I know like at one point in college, I had three jobs at once and then I went into a deep depression and I quit all of them. So that's just like kind of frustrating. Um, it's like not necessarily being able to stick to everything I commit to. So I have to be careful with that. Um, also to be careful, it's really common when you're manic to kind of engage in more risky behaviors. Um, this can be anything from like kind of being irresponsible in a sense of like when I'm manic, I will spend my whole savings. Like I just like am reckless with money, not in a sense where like I've ever royally fucked up and like not recovered from it, but I'll go on like a shopping spree or I'll just buy things I don't need just because of like the immediate endorphins you get from it um also sort of with this more reckless behavior um a lot of people will experience hypersexuality or just like putting yourself in more dangerous environments so definitely have to be very aware of that um that like obviously can have longer lasting effects so those are just a few more symptoms i experience with bipolar that someone with bipolar probably will experience at some point um and sort of after all of this, I know I said earlier that like the hardest part is sort of the adjustment because it, there really isn't an adjustment period. Like your mood shifts out of nowhere and you don't have really a trigger or control most of the time. Um, but another part of it that's really hard to deal with is guilt after you've been manic, um, especially when I'm irritable and manic and maybe I'm like bitchy towards the people I really care about. Like the second I snap out of it, like, I feel like the worst human on earth, and, like, I've never done something super outrageous, I've definitely been a bitch, I'm not gonna lie, like, I've fucked up, and I've been hurtful in some ways, um, but just kind of feeling, like, extreme guilt for not necessarily, like, having bipolar, but, like, feeling guilty that it affects the people around me, and especially in a manic state or a depressive state when I just really am, like, not there for people, um, because I like physically can't be like I just can't get out of bed um, that the guilt is really overwhelming I think another hard thing in relation to like how bipolar affects the people around you is like how it affects affects your like friendships and relationships I've definitely like lost friends I wouldn't say solely because of it, because, like, if I'm being honest, the friends I have lost, like, also kind of were shitty in some ways, so, like, it's not the biggest loss, um, but I definitely had a part in it, too, and, like, some people aren't equipped to handle needing bipolar in a sense of, like, one, it's not their responsibility to, and, like, they just may have things going on in their life where, like, they can't be there for me or they just like don't have the capacity to be that forgiving 
which is fine, but like, it's also hard for me to maintain friendships where I don't feel like I can be 100% myself or like truthful about what I'm going through with the person because of like judgment or they just like don't care necessarily, which that's fine. That's everyone's own individual prerogative. Like I can't make someone care. You're not a bad person if you don't care. But like, it's obviously just not going to work out with like us being in each other's lives. Um, I also think it definitely impacts more of like a romantic kind of relationship because I'm terrified of them. I feel like no one is ever going to want to deal with me. Um, and I felt this way before I got the actual diagnosis. I always kind of knew that I was a lot to handle or that like I was really emotional. Um, and I used to be really insecure about it and think like, you know, no one's ever going to want to like be around me that much. No one's ever going to care about me like that. And I still definitely have thoughts of that, but it's more so like I'm less insecure about it. And it's more just like a, a standard where it's like, if you're going to be a part of my life, you need to be able to handle this because I can't do anything about it um, for the most part anyways. So that definitely crosses my mind a lot. I think also now that I'm like in my 20s and stuff, a lot of my friends have had like sort of seriouser relationships and I haven't. Um, I think there is sort of like a pressure you feel when you start to get older that it's like all right like the clock's ticking like gotta find someone um and I just know like it's going to be very difficult for me to find someone who fully accepts every part of me and like how emotional I can be how up and down I'll be so yeah that's just like my little rant on that um but because of these things I think it's really helpful to be open and honest with the people in your life about what you're going through and how you're feeling so they're aware of it and they don't take it personally because when I start to feel myself going manic I didn't always used to let the people around me know because I was embarrassed now like I will literally text my friend the second I like kind of have that click and I figure out what's going on and I'll be like hey just to let you know I feel like I'm going manic sorry if I'm a bitch like I fully have sent that text probably word for word before because if you're in my life, like, daily or, like, weekly or just, like, someone who's close to me, like, it's gonna come around and affect you at some point. And I would never want the people I love and care about to, like, take it personally or think that, like, I am, like, upset with them just because I'm manic and irritable. And vice versa, even if I'm, like, going through a depression, like, I will cancel plans. Like, there was, like, last summer... I wasn't in as bad of a depression as I was this summer, but like I didn't want to leave the house and I would cancel plans like the day of, which is really shitty when you do it constantly. And like, I know it probably pissed off my friends and I do feel bad about it. So now I'm really like conscious of the fact, I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm really aware of the fact that it's a lot more helpful if I just tell people like what's going on so that it's not a surprise when like, I'm not feeling up to certain things or like maybe I have a bigger reaction to something that like isn't really that big of a deal but to me it's like really triggering right now and with that being said like that kind of ties back to like the like to ties sorry little word vomit that kind of ties back to the like part of like there's gonna be some people who like genuinely just like don't have the empathy 
to like be in my life or be the understanding of it which is fine it's just kind of something you've had to accept that like some people are just not gonna like me for the fact that I'm emotional and that's fine and it's out of my control and like I can't dwell on it because it's just gonna make me feel bad about myself and like realistically like I should not feel bad about myself because I didn't choose to have bipolar disorder anyways I think that kind of covered all the things I want to talk about right now I'm sure I'll like bring this up again later on because it does you know affect every little thing I do um but yeah I think I'm gonna end this here if you listened all the way through um I hope you have a really good day and I'm sorry if this was like a mood killer I promise I'm fine and I'm doing much better now um but yeah that's kind of it so bye